We're continuing in Galatians 5. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Thank you, Derek. Uh, We are going to be in this passage catching a little bit of the context before and then moving down through the end of verse 21. Uh, Let's go ahead and just seek the Lord as we uh, go into this passage. Let me pray for just a moment once again. God, thank you for gathering us here now. And our prayer right now is that you would cause the Word to come to life within us. I pray that as we are just examining and looking at your Word phrase by phrase, that by your Spirit, you would just cause this to come into our hearts in ways that encourage us and build us up, in ways that cause us to turn away from sin, in ways that increase our faith in ways in which we'll go from here more free, free from sin and free in you. So we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So these verses in Galatians 5 are, I would say, incredibly important for us. And all of Scripture is important, so we're not elevating one portion above another. But this particular passage and what you do with this passage affects your life. It affects our life as a church together. Uh, Particularly, this passage is emphasizing how we live in relationships with one another. I'll show that to you in just a minute. You know that relationships can turn on a dime. Um, They can be in place for years. They can be characterized by great memories, enjoyment, laughter. And then it takes just a word, a sentence, an act, and they can go up and smoke with selfishness. So when it comes to relationships, here we are gathered in a local church. This is Christ's family, a local body of believers And we are called to be an alternate to the world around us. We are a group of young and old, rich and poor, men and women, white collar, blue collar, so many different kinds of people in meaningful relationships doing life together. And when God saved us, he particularly saved us 
unto himself, and he refers to himself as a what to us? As a father, and then us to one another were called brothers and sisters. So how is family life, how are relationships to be carried out and protected among God's people? How is a church family to be kept from divisions and dissensions? How is the Christian family supposed to be preserved even when preferences and opinions and even practices are different? How is oneness in the Christian family to be protected when, because we're sinners, sin is committed? Does sin overcome God's plan? Do preferences and opinions put aside Christian relationships, causing them to split apart? How do we do this? And so if, if you're a believer here this morning, this is incredibly hopeful for us, this passage, because as we'll see, God's answer for us moving forward within the context of relationships is not to turn inward to ourselves and say, now just buck up and do it in your own strength. What God's word says to us is, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. So the big idea for this morning's sermon is just simply that. It is walk by the Spirit, and you will see relationships characterized by love. Now, this comes, verses 16 through 21, comes within a larger context. Back in verse 13, Paul said this, you are called to freedom, brothers. And so we talked about this freedom. We've been talking about it from the book of Galatians for several weeks now. What does he mean by freedom? Okay, well, before Christ, you were under the law. And under that law, you had committed sin against God. And the law, just like our legal law today, when you break it, it says you're guilty. And God's moral law says to all of us, you've lied, you've stolen, you have sinned against one another, you've, you've been envious, you've been covetous. And, and, and we live under the verdict of the law, which says condemnation. You deserve punishment. Christ comes and he doesn't abolish the law. What does he do? He fulfills it. He lives perfectly under the law. Here, here is the man whom the law could never say, you're condemned. He's the only one. And so Christ fulfills the law by perfectly obeying it, and he offers his life of obedience as a gift to everyone who is under the law, condemned. That's what we need. We need the gift of Christ because we're all condemned. And when we receive Christ, now we are free from this guilty verdict, condemned, condemned, judgment. We're free from that, but what are we free to do? And so in verse 13, the idea might be in somebody's mind, well, if you're free from an authority, you might just go like crazy. You might just be living life for yourself. You might be the true hedonist if you're never going to have a guilty verdict over your life. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not how life works. That's not how life in the spirit works. You are free now you are a child of God over here. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says that he freed you in order that you might be adopted as sons. And now you can live in this freedom by actually loving one another. So that's verse 13. 
all the way down to chapter 6, verse 10, which we'll be in for the next few weeks, he is talking to us about how to live out this freedom in the context of relationships and how to love one another. And so in particular, in this section this morning, Paul is saying, within the context of relationships, your Christian freedom, your ability now to love one another is going to be carried out, how? By walking by the Spirit. Okay, so I hope that you will go out from here this morning encouraged and built up that you can love one another, you can love others, how? Walking by the Spirit, okay? Now, there are four questions that are going to lead us through the sermon. I'll give them to you now, and then I'll give them to you as we progress through the sermon. I'll give them to you now so you know where we're going. <clears throat> the four questions that are going to guide us through this passage is the, are these. Number one, what does it mean for a Christian to walk by the Spirit? If we're supposed to love one another by walking by the Spirit, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Second, <clears throat> not only does, do we want to ask what does it mean, but how do I walk by the Spirit? Third, we'll ask, What are the consequences of walking by the Spirit? And then last, we'll ask the question, does this mean I won't have any hardships? All right, so those are our four questions. Let's jump in with question number one. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Well, just a sub-question under this to get us rolling. Who is the Spirit? When we're saying walk by the Spirit, I better know who this Spirit is. Who is the Spirit? Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, we see Peter addressing Ananias. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. And here you can see that Peter sees the Holy Spirit as God. So who is the Spirit? The Spirit is God. God is three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're going to walk by the Spirit, who is God. What does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit do? The Spirit gives us life, spiritual life. So in John chapter 3, a man by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus, asked him, you know, what am I supposed to do to have eternal life? And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So for you to become a Christian, you have to go through a birth process. You have to be born again. And it's just like a baby that's being born where the baby's eyes are opening and the ears can hear. In spiritual birth, your eyes are opened and your ears are opened to understand the Word of God, to hear the Word of God and say, I need that. I need the Word of God in my life. So the Spirit is God. The Spirit gives you spiritual life. The Spirit also indwells you. The Spirit also indwells you. Romans 8, verses 9 and 11. Paul says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So when you become a Christian and trust Christ as your Savior, you go out from underneath the guilty verdict of the law, and God actually supernaturally indwells you. If you're a Christian, you are indwelt by God this morning. The Spirit also gives you power to serve the Lord. The Spirit gives you power to serve the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God gave us a spirit. And what's the spirit characterized? Well, he's not a spirit of fear, but he is a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. And when uh, we gathered together for the men's conference, uh, we heard that this spirit that God gives to us also empowers us to carry out service to one another. He gives us gifts in order to serve one another. So all these, these gifts that he's given to us are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so the spirit gives us power to serve one another and to serve the Lord. Also, the Spirit helps us understand the love of God. All right, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you know God loves you. God cares about you this morning. So, just quick rehearsal. We have the presence of the Spirit of God. God, we have the power, we have an understanding, all because of the Spirit of God. And Paul says, hey, walk by that Spirit who is within you. Okay, so what does it mean to walk by the Spirit whom God has given to you, who indwells you, who gives you power, who helps you understand and appreciate God's love for you? What does it mean to walk by that Spirit? Well, in short, if we want to put it in everyday terms, we'll say it this way. We can get there by the Spirit, When Paul uses the term walk, he's talking about just everyday Christian life. And now he's saying, in your everyday Christian life, you have places to be, like things to accomplish, things to obey in the Lord. And you get there, you get there in that obedience by the Spirit. It's the agency, we could say, or the empowering presence of the Spirit in our lives that helps us get there. Think about it this morning. You came to church. By what agency did you arrive and meet with your church family? If you had to walk this morning, would most of you have made it here? You needed help getting here. And so you traveled by the agency of your car. If you're going to take a trip to Florida, you're going to use the airplane, and it's going to be the agency of the airplane that gets you there. We would never get to those points without the help of a car or an airplane. And when Paul says now 
that you have to walk by the Spirit, what he's talking about is in your Christian life, there are going to be, within the context of relationships, there is going to be this need to move from point A to point B. How are you going to do it? He doesn't say, walk by your own strength. He says, walk by the Spirit. When it comes to life, particularly to loving and serving others, don't we often think of loving others in our own human strength? I mean, can't you just hear yourself talking about an in-law or a person at work or someone in your life who has been kind of difficult and you know that you're supposed to love them and you blurt out something like this, I'm working on it, but I'm just not there yet. How are you trying to love them? Paul's point in this section is that you have been set free to love others. You've been set free in Christ, but how do you get there in life to love them? You do this by the Spirit. You get there by the Spirit. So Christian, you have the Spirit of God. This is the the thing that I want you to know just in point number one. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. You have the Spirit of God And that means that he will help you to do what he calls you to do, especially loving others. So you don't have to be defeated by the task that's in front of us to love one another. If you're in a marriage this morning and it's kind of bent, if there's tension that's there and you're saying, how am I going to love this individual? Here's what Paul says. I'm going to show you. Walk by the Spirit and you will love them. Or if you're in tension with other believers, or as we'll see, if you're in tension with other non-believers, God calls us to love our enemies. How are you going to get there? Don't look to yourself to do this. It will be useless. You do this by walking by the Spirit. Okay, so... You might say, I get the idea of getting into my car and driving from Muskegon or driving from Holland or moving from place to place. I get the idea that I have to be in a car and I understand the concept of a car moving me from place to place. But how do I walk by the Spirit with people in my life? So this is question number two for the sermon. How is it I hear the truth that I'm supposed to walk by the Spirit, not walk by my own Spirit. Uh, strength, but I'm supposed to walk by the Spirit. How do I walk by the Spirit? Well, throughout the book of Galatians, the Spirit's work in our lives is connected directly to faith. So, you've got your Bibles open to Galatians. Just go back to chapter 3, verse 5. Notice the association of faith here. Paul says this, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you? So there's the presence of the Spirit. There's the power of the Spirit among you. Does he do so by works of the law? By you doing this on your own? Or does he do this? Notice this next phrase. By the hearing of faith. Is the Spirit's work in your lives, going to be carried out by you doing the works of the law, or is it going to be carried out by the hearing of faith? You hear the commands of God. 
Love your neighbor. You hear the commands of God, love one another. You hear the commands of God, love your enemy. Are you going to do the works? Are you going to do that by the works of the law, your own strength? Paul says, no, 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 no. That never, ha- that never took place. You're going to do these by hearing with faith. You hear the word of God. You say, okay, God, I believe that you are calling me to do this. And by faith, I am going to step out in obedience. We'll see how this looks in just a little bit. Look at chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. For through the Spirit, okay, there's the Spirit. Now notice the next words. For through the Spirit, by faith, what's going to happen? We ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What you see with the Spirit of God in our lives is this practice of faith. To walk by the Spirit means that by faith, we surrender to what is instructed by Scripture. To walk by the Spirit means that by faith, we surrender to do what is instructed by Scripture. In faith, we trust the Spirit of God to get us there, to enable us. He's the one who's within us, indwelling us, empowering us. This is not a passive submission where we just say, there's the command, God, I'll go into spiritual neutrality, coma-like, and you're just going to take me in this trance and move me along, and all is going to be great. That's not what it means to walk by the Spirit. We hear the command by faith. We say, that is the path of obedience. God, I am aiming to obey you, not in my own strength, but I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is in me to enable me to do that. And in chapter 5, all the way down through chapter 6, verse 10, the overarching biblical command within this context is love. Love one another. We're going to love one another by the Spirit who will help us do that. And you say, okay, I hear all this, kind of distill it down into an everyday life situation. I know I've shared this with you over the years, but this is when this truth just kind of came in like a laser into my life. And I said, okay, God, I think I get it. So some of you have heard this if you're new or you haven't. Uh, I was probably 28, 29, 30 years old, something like that. Chris and I had moved to Michigan, and I'm working as a youth pastor here in the church. In my mind, this is how the picture is from, you know, 15, 16 years ago now. I'm coming home. It's the middle of summer. We don't have air conditioning in our house, and it's one of those two-week periods in the middle of summer where it's just hot here, you know? Just that short window where it's blazing hot. So I pull into the driveway after having what seemed as though, again, this picture in my mind, a long week at work, like a full season. Um, Teens are great, so it was the teen parents that must have been driving me crazy that week, okay? (laughs) And so I get home, and I'm just up to here, and I open the door, and because our windows are open to the house, because we have no AC, I hear noise going on in the house, 
And you can imagine my sweet wife who's there in the house and probably in those days very pregnant back then. No AC in the house. I'm hearing pots and pans and I'm hearing little children that are screaming. They're not welcoming me. They are screaming and I know that I have to go from first shift, which I just completed, now to second shift at home. And I have to go in the hot house and my wife is going to probably be like, yeah, babe, this is what it's been like all day. Come on. You get some of this now. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go into the house. I don't want this task right now. I just kind of want to stay in the car. And looking back, I'm probably thinking, man, I'd just love to go down to the lake and take a dip. You know, I want some me time. And it was in that moment where I'm sitting in the car saying, I feel like I'm running on fumes based on what's taking place. But Lord, you've told me to love my wife. You've told me to love my children. You've told me how to be a father and a husband. Walk by the Spirit is what I keep hearing. And so the the thought was, okay, God, I'm surrendering to you right now. Here's the command. I believe that you will enable and empower me to do that. And I remember getting out of the car, walking over towards the metal gate, opening it up, walking into the house, and God meeting me where the obedience needed to take place. And I look back on that and I think, I think that is where the connection of this passage came to life within me. Here is the command love. I can't do it. I can't do it by works of the law. And some of you are there. And it's not because it's a hot summer day. I mean, in comparison now, I look back on that and I say, man, what what a little boy I was. Life was great back then. But some of you are in stuff that is much deeper, much more intense. Relationships where you feel like if you come close to it, It's got voltage to it, and it's just going to shock and hurt you. And what God does is he comes along and he says, oh, by the way, you don't have to do this in your own strength. I'm calling you, yes, to do something that you don't feel like you can do. You feel like you can't get there. And what God says is, I've called you to do this, and I'm going to empower and enable you to do this by my spirit. I'm going to enable you to get there. Will you step out in faith? So when Paul talks about this, walking by the spirit, this is so practical for us and so important for us in the life of the church. We yield to the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who empowers us, who enables us, and we do this by faith. Okay, now I've been sprinkling this in already. Who has God told you to love? Because this is where it really gets tested. God has told me to love at least three groups of people. Number one, he's told me to love my enemy. Matthew 5, verses 43 to 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Some days that feels like a pretty good path forward. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. 
Christians, we're called, we're called to take up this task and in faith love our enemies. Who else are we to love? We're to love our neighbor. Our neighbor is the person whom God puts right next to us, whether it's at work, whether it's in the neighborhood actually, whether it's right now, the person next to you. Mark 12, verse 29. Jesus answered and he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love your enemy, love your neighbor. Third, love your Christian brother and sister. John 13, verse 34. A new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So how are we going to love one another in such a way where a person comes into this particular context and says, wow, there is something uncanny about these people. People are allowed to make mistakes here. People aren't stomped on or shunned when they fall into sin. People come around one another, and they love those that are different from them. How, how does that happen here? How do we get there? We get there by walking by the Spirit. You say, I can't do this in my own power. That's a great place to be. But will you walk by faith? Will you walk by the Spirit? Christian, live by faith in what God has promised and commanded you to do, and you will be enabled by the Spirit to love one another. Question number three. What is the result of walking by the Spirit? What is the result of walking by the Spirit? Well, Paul says here in verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and here's the result. You will not gratify or fulfill or bring to completion the desires of the flesh. Okay? You won't be acting within the flesh realm. Now, what does he mean by you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh? In the Bible, the term flesh can be used in two different ways. Number one, it can be used just to talk about skin, bones, this body that I live in. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live in the flesh right here, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the body, most of the time when the Bible uses the term flesh, it's talking about that part of me that doesn't want what God wants. That impulse in me that wants something opposite from what God wants. And so Paul unpacks for us the desires, specific desires of the flesh. Not limited to these, they can go on for more, but he gives us uh, these desires in verses 19 through 21, just so we have an idea of what it means to not gratify the desires of the flesh. Four realms right here in the flesh. We can break it up into the sexual realm. He says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. This is referring to sex outside of marriage. Sex is good. It's wonderful. It should be practiced within the context of marriage. But outside of marriage, God is saying, no, that, that's, that's an act in which you are all about yourself. Sex is actually meant within the context of marriage. It's to be a gift to the other spouse, to, to bring oneness there. 
There's a spiritual realm where he talks about idolatry and sorcery in this list. Idolatry, just having something above God in my life. There's a relational realm in, these, uh, in this list here. You can see in verse 20, where he talks about enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. So you can see where the flesh is like, ah, I just don't want this to come back together, or I'm jealous of that person, or anger is constantly overflowing. That's the flesh right there. There's a fourth realm. I'll just say it's like the party realm here, where he talks about drunkenness and orgies here. And what's characteristic about all of these is that self is at the center. So if I'm disregarding God, I am at the center of my life, and I'll probably be acting out in one of these categories. I'm putting myself at the center. And Paul is saying, hey, walk by the Spirit, and you won't be absorbing from other people. You won't be sucking them dry. You'll be selfless if you're walking by the Spirit. Now, he does something very interesting in verse 21. Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he's speaking of eternal life here. Those who give themselves over to this kind of practice, it doesn't mean that Christians won't fall into this at times. I think if we went through this list here, every one of us could say, yep, I've sinned there, I've sinned there, I've sinned there. This is not a call to perfection. What this is saying is, hey, if you give yourself over, if this is your practice where you're saying no to God, this is how I want to live my life, Paul is saying, you don't have the Spirit in you. You won't be able to love other people. You can't. So, walk by the Spirit you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, don't you just see those times where you fall into the desires of the flesh and it just ruins things? It just hurts things. You walk, you walk away and it's like a bomb went off. There's nothing but destruction behind. And then you see times where you're leaning into the spirit, walking by the spirit, and you see God actually bringing chaos back into order and beauty and kindness there. Verse 18 says, if you're led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. We've talked about that. So that's a result of being led by the Spirit. So here, the result is you're no longer living for the flesh. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh as your normal way of living. You're no longer under the law because you've been brought out from underneath the law. You're not condemned by the law. But now question number four does walking by the Spirit mean I won't have hardships? Will life just get easy because I can walk by the Spirit? Well, look at verse 17. He says this, For the desires of the flesh, which we all have until we reach heaven, we have those desires in us. Those desires are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There's like this 
dualism that's inside each one of us. As a Christian, you have the Spirit of God who is saying, follow the Lord in faith. And yet in my humanity, I've got this flesh that's saying, just give me what I want. I just want to be done sometimes. The struggle, however, is not necessarily a bad sign. If you are here this morning and you are struggling, let me read this paragraph for you from John Piper. He says this, Conflict in your soul is not all bad. Even though we long for the day when our flesh will be utterly defunct, and only pure and loving desires will fill our hearts. We long for that day. Yet there is something worse than the war within between the flesh and the spirit. What is worse? Namely, no war within because the flesh controls the citadel and all the outposts. Praise God for the war within. Serenity in sin is death. The spirit has landed to do battle with the flesh. So take heart if your soul feels like a battlefield at times. The sign of whether you are indwelt by the spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with them. I love that because so many times we can feel that war that's raging within us. And we say, I just want the war to be done. I just want it to be done. Paul says this, you're in a war. That's what we're in right now. It's wartime. He says these conflicting desires are opposed to each other with the flesh opposing the spirit. Be aware that if you don't feel the war, the spirit's not there. The spirit will war against the flesh. Paul recognizes that this war can be the war on how we love God and how we love others. So within this context, we know it's a war to love others. How will we love one another? How will we get there? The answer is not in our own strength. We will be a people who by faith trust that God can overcome our flesh. We will trust that God has commands for us and he will lead us into obedience. He will lead us into meaningful relationships characterized by love. We will exercise faith. We will trust in his spirit and his spirit will get us there. His spirit will enable us to do so. So this week... We must walk by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, which is for us. Extremely pertinent and relevant. Lord, we're thankful that you have given us the gift of your spirit in salvation. I pray for those who are here this morning, young or old, whom you are still calling to yourself. Lord, I just pray that you would give them 
ears on their heart to hear your truth and to respond to Jesus as their Savior. I pray for those who have responded to Jesus. I pray that we would be surrendered in faith, walking in obedience, and trusting that the Spirit will help us. He will get us there. Just right now, quietly, will you talk to the Lord just from your heart? You don't have to talk out loud. You can just talk with your thoughts, perhaps something that you've been struggling with. You can ask Him for help right now. Perhaps there's a relationship or an area of life where you have not been walking by the Spirit. You can repent of that and come back to God and ask Him to lead you. And you can also thank Him that He will lead you. You Just talk to God from your heart right now and I'll come back and pray in a moment. Lord, you are so kind to us. And we praise you for the gift of your Spirit in our lives. You have called us unto yourself, given us your Spirit. You've brought us into relationships with others. You've given us what we need. And Lord, we go from here this morning with a sense of hope. And it's not a false sense of hope. It's true hope that we can love one another, marriages Christian marriages can thrive. We can love our neighbors this week. We can love those who oppose us and persecute us because we're free. And you've given us the spirit to help us do that. And so God, thank you for giving us your spirit to reside within us. And so I pray now that this week you'd remind us of your word and that when those moments come, that we would live by faith and follow you in obedience and then be able to see the blessing of your spirit at work within us. Thank you for your kindness to our church. We pray for your protection over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.